Right. Hey guys, welcome back to Teen Muscle Radio and episode number 16. So today I am joined by my friend Harry Ranson and we are going to be discussing how to set up a contest prep. So for a natural bodybuilder or any other sort of person that's looking to get really, really lean, this podcast is going to be absolutely essential for you. Um, So yeah, before we go on, Harry... I know you very well, but the listener might not. Well, they should do, shouldn't they? Really? So, um, <laughs> give them give them a bit of an idea. <laughs> They've been hiding under a rock or something. If they don't know you, of course, Harry. Um, so, give them a bit of an idea of what you're about, and yeah, go ahead, mate. Okay, so Harry Ranson, I am 25 years old, and I've been in the fitness industry, I'd say, since I was about 18. So, seven years. Started off just a standard gym instructor i got into one-to-one pt branched off on my own did my own thing uh set up the performance project which i am now no longer a part of which um and then moved on to online coaching basically so that's what i'm doing now as of like a few months so i'm a full-time online coach and i've also competed in several competitions from men's physique to natural bodybuilding and a powerlifting competition which didn't go that well but yeah so um lots lots of sports um but yeah in, been involved in the fitness industry for how long in terms of years yeah so about seven years so mm. about seven years started off uh, like i said gym instructing and then i spent the best part of 18 months actually out in india oh, training wow. some bollywood clients and stuff like that that was a bit of a random very random time in my life but very very successful i uh, yeah. got a couple of my clients on the front of men's health very amazing life experience yeah uh, and then came back and so i've had a bit of a a dabble in a lot of different areas of fitness and personal training in terms of you know training very high-end clients training everyday people training contest prep people yeah I've, I've trained a lot of different kind of types of clients yeah so yeah the reason obviously i got harry on the podcast is he does have a wealth of knowledge in terms of not only his practical and like anecdotal knowledge towards a bodybuilding prep but obviously you've prepped clients you've also taken people you know general population people that are wanting to get really lean and you've got them there as well which is obviously really important like there's going to be people that are listening to this that not only competitors looking to compete maybe next year but it's maybe someone that's just a young guy or girl that's just wanting to get really lean and not particularly wanting to even step on stage you know maybe they're looking for a photo shoot etc and uh, this should definitely help so before we go on to how we would set up a contest prep give the listener an idea as to how your previous contest prep so the one that you just did How did you set that up in terms of the overall approach? Give the listener an idea as to how long you dieted for um, and whether there's anything specific that you feel is important that that they know. So the prep was 18 weeks long altogether and I lost about, I think it was about 14 pounds altogether. That was from using my scales. The, The scales were different everywhere because I was weighing on loads of different stuff. But I think it was about 14 pounds altogether. So okay. just to give the listeners an idea of the rate of progress, it was under a pound a week mm. uh, from start to finish. And I started off, I'd say relatively lean. Like I, I kind of had like faded abs with a few Instagram filters and a little bit of sharpen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I started off relatively lean and I was just in a really good place, um, you know, mentally and physically. Mm. And um, what 
in terms of just round up the what sort of dietary approach did you have did you follow a meal plan did you follow flexible dieting okay so from i guess from start to finish because there wasn't really that many changes that were made i follow followed obviously macronutrients so it started off uh five days at 190 grams of protein 210 grams of carbs and around about 55 grams of fat and then there were two days where carbs were bumped up by about 100 grams so i had kind of two back-to-back refeed days and then as the prep went on one of those refeed days got taken out um, and then again as the prep went on a couple of weeks later i think i dropped fat down so there wasn't a huge amount of change but it basically went from around about 2300 calories on average down to around about 2100 okay. maybe two, maybe 2000 like on across the week on average but yeah just following macronutrient guidelines making sure i'm eating plenty of whole foods but also mm-hmm. allowing myself a little bit of uh, flexibility from a treat side of thing i tried my best not to take the mickey yeah it's quite easy to take the mickey but i think that you know from a bodybuilding perspective it's almost essential that you don't unless you want to feel like complete and utter shit um which we will potentially talk about so so let's sort of go into say that's that's you know we just we we discussed this in the gym before we sort of came on the podcast is like so if we had an individual come to us or to yourself sent you an email like harry i want to start a bodybuilding prep next year so what would you what would your like initial questions be for that individual in terms of what sort of data you'd want to know even prior to them you know getting on stage what sort of data would you want to collect uh, prior to them sort of setting out the contest prep do you know, it's funny because obviously I, I knew you were going to say this question, so I, I kind of I was thinking about it before. And actually, my like a couple of years ago, I would have been like, right, I need your weight, I need your your training, I need all this stuff. Uh-huh. Actually, the fir- the very first question I would say ask someone is, are you ready? Okay. Like, are you ready for a contest prep? Yeah. Because contest prep isn't easy. Like, contest prep is it will take over. Like. I mean, obviously, with the whole flexible approach, and it's not quite as rigid as the old school bodybuilding style. It can be a little bit more rigid, but you've got to say to that person, you know, are you ready? Well, two things actually: are you ready, and why are you doing it? Because I think, obviously, with a lot of more social media around these days, people are seeing these ripped physiques and these people winning shows and stuff like that, and that you know, they see the smile on stage and the, the tan and all that stuff, but. And they want that, but if that's the only reason you're doing it, to, to get like a, a new profile picture on Facebook, then it, just don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> just don't do it. Um, so yeah, actually before I'd be like, right, I want all this data. But now the first thing I would say is like, have you actually thought about this? Okay. And what would you think would be a good rationale as to why they want to compete? So you've said obviously a bad rationale would be likes, would be photos, etc. Um, what do you think a good rationale would be? Well, I actually think that from there, you, you're going to want to get the background from the person. Like, say that they, they've been training for like a, a few years or, or they've been training really seriously for a few years and, and they want to compete. I like people that, that have that competitive edge rather than they like the sound of it and they like the look of it. Yep. But people just say, I find that actually a lot of people that have, have been sporty before in school and things like that and they haven't quite you know, managed to break through in whatever sport they did. Like for me personally, like I, I played a lot of football when I was younger and I played to a decent standard, but I was never that like good enough to be uh, really competitive. 
And I found that when I started working and, and, you know, beyond the age of 18, I needed another competitive outlet. So I think just looking at a person's actual background as well, um, mm. that that's what I would say is a good rationale for it. But I, I mean, I suppose it's not necessarily what is a good rationale. It's just, you know, taking away the bad rationale. Like, are you doing it because you want to look like this, this? Then I'd probably suggest to that person, I'd say, just book a photo shoot. Like, yeah, that's exactly what just, I'd say. Um, just get semi like beach beach ready because that's going to be a lot less grueling on both yourself and the people around you yeah i definitely agree with that in terms of the photo shoot setup uh for someone who just wants photos um and i think i'm i'm like you in the sense that i i think that's a really good question to ask as to you know maybe whether they've played competitive sport or had any sort of competitive endeavor before um or maybe just asking them you know tell me why you want to do well or tell me why you want to get into the best shape of your life and you're hoping for like a good explanation like not something like oh i'm a personal trainer and i want more clients and you know you and me know that that's quite you know bad thing to well not it's not necessarily a bad thing but it's not the best way to gain clients um and i remember actually at my first show there was a boy backstage who said oh i'm never doing this again i just did it for my pt and you know, I was just like, <laughs> I, was like well, I don't know how this is going to help because obviously, you know, unless your your niche is bodybuilders, you know, yeah. I've got bodybuilding clients out of competing, but I don't think may, you'll pick up many general population. And in fact, I've actually had general population people that say they look at my profile picture and sometimes are a bit put off by yeah. you know to train with me because they think I am just a bodybuilder and I'm going to beast them and you know, it's probably going to actually could do some damage um, if that's what you're aiming for. Okay, so um, in terms of when you would take someone so that, you know, they're okay to compete, your rationale, you're happy with the rationale, what would you get them to, like, initially do differently in terms of um, from, like, a nutrition or a training perspective? Obviously, when we go into a contest prep, it's a lot. there's a lot of data logging. You know, you said... Um, that you know you obviously went from sort of quite a relaxed approach to your eating habits to a very much like weighing everything to the gram I remember your your girlfriend quoting that she was weighing cucumber Um, so there's obviously a lot of data logging that's going on so what would you say is the main things that you are logging when you start a contest prep yeah, so you mentioned before, like if let's say someone wanted to compete next year, I would try and get them to be logging as much as possible. Okay. And a few things have definitely changed over the past sort of, um, well, a few, I'd say the few past few years, even a few months. So obviously you're going to want to look at the the intake. So calorie total calorie intake, you know, protein, carbs, fats, fiber, mm-hmm. as well. Um, getting them to log that, getting them to log their their weight whether that be daily or weekly obviously during a contest prep we're looking at ideally daily weigh-ins but at least you know trying to get a some sort of general trend of what their current nutritional intake is and how that is going to be affecting their weight so whether the idea is basically to get an eye a a better guesstimation of what calories they need to lose weight i guess what calories do they need to lose weight what calories do they need to maintain weight what calories do they need to put on weight and i'd also ask people and say you know have you ever followed any sort of fat loss plan before do you know the calories from that because then you can get a little bit of a gauge and just get as much information as possible to be like right okay this this person has you know a quote-unquote faster metabolism i therefore we can start them on higher calories okay 
What's so, your... I have a question out of that. What's your opinion in terms of if someone was like, right, okay, I want to start a contest prep. What's your opinion in terms of them using some sort of online calculator to calculate their current macros for fat loss? And what do you think are the negative sort of sides of using a calculator? Because I don't think I've really ever used a calculator to calculate either my own or a client's macros. Um, so what? why do you think that there's an issue with a calculator? Well, it's the thing is, it's funny that you should say that because I I've used a calculator for myself more so yeah. just to see what what the answer was. Like yeah. I haven't, and and it's exactly the same as it. Like I'm like literally the most average person, like really? average everything, like everything is on the top. But the thing is, is that it's always going to be averages. Mm. So you're going to have people that are you know outliers, and especially when you consider that what we do tends to be a little bit more active. Mm. You've obviously got to consider that it's it's like the the government guidelines that females have got to eat two thousand calories a day and males have got to eat two thousand five hundred. It's just a shot in the dark, really. Um, so I think it can give people a rough guideline. Like it's typically within a couple of hundred calories because people's metabolisms generally don't change like that much unless their NEAT is super high or super low. But it's just not like it's it's a bit pointless if you have the time if you have the time to weigh yourself daily and track for like two or three weeks then you can work it out yourself mm-hmm. almost like you can work out what your maintenance is by weighing yourself daily tracking your food intake and then just finding an average sure so that i don't really see the point in a calculator like i said I, I did it out of just curiosity to see what the numbers and it did it was pretty much bang on point but i don't know I think there's gonna there's gonna be more and more data out there that's gonna it's gonna get more accurate with these mm. calculators. And you know, it might be a shot in a, a shot in their own foot for someone with potentially uh, faster metabolism um, than a than another person purely because you know the calculator might not take into account their you know their um, you know activity throughout the day as opposed to just gym activity um, or not enough like they might be extremely active and therefore burning a shit ton of calories just overall throughout the day um, therefore you know they might make two drastic cuts and then end up you know lower on calories than they should be at the end of their sort of dieting period. Um, so yeah, I'm sort of in agreement on that one with you. Um, so in terms of when you'd get someone to come into you, like a lot of the listeners um, on this podcast are sort of a, of the younger ages, so they might have potentially never got contest lean or or even lean before. So how would you know if if someone like a younger guy came to you, you know, potentially like myself back in like 2014, I came to a performance project for coaching for a bodybuilding show. I had no idea at what weight I would be contest lean, but I knew what weight I was currently. So how would you assess how long that person would need for a diet? Um, And is there any sort of strategy that you do to sort of ensure that you had enough time to get that individual lean? I think that that's a difficult one. I think you've almost got to do it once to be able to tell what body weight you're going to be. I mean, sure. you could obviously through through experience, you could look at someone and say, okay, they are roughly this percentage body fat, and then you could potentially work out what their lean body mass is based on that, uh, and also you know average lean body mass based on height. I think it's a difficult one until you get lean once. You're never going to really know, and that's why I said before, like when I collect data from people, I find out you know what weight they were when they were lean. Four, so you can almost just gauge something off of that. Yeah. And what did you lose in your first? Uh, I mean, it was a lot. Forty-five was a lot. pounds, I think. It was 45. like legitimate 
strong fat loss combined with content prep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like you yeah. added like a decent amount to lose, but how much did you think you had to lose? Uh, I thought I was a lot leaner than I was. Obviously, being a young guy, like you don't know the standard until you see it. So I hadn't personally gone along to a bodybuilding show. So I think that potentially if you're like a teen or a junior or whatever and you're looking to get extremely lean, then I think knowing the standard is potentially really beneficial because not only does that allow you to uh, stay leaner than potentially you would get if you didn't know the standard, but it also gives you an idea of potentially how long you'd need. Um, But I think everyone for their first time, I don't know about you, but everyone thinks they need less than they actually do oh yeah Yeah. every client i've had come to me for a contest prep or getting lean have been like yeah but i'm not like i'm not that bad at the moment like i'm not like i'm i've not got much to lose is tends to be the quote um and even like marcus who i prepared last year he came to me i've not got much to lose and he ended up losing like 30 pounds to get into contest condition so you know i think assessing it by what you previously had done is the the best way possible like you said Um, but also knowing the standard and and potentially just staying accountable like not when I was when I came to you guys I my first progress pictures were the ones that I sent you and they were you know hideous (laughs) so so, um, you know I think staying accountable is massively important hence why I sort of you know take regular pictures now and I'm sure you do as well just to stay on top of not only scale weight but you know how you're looking in general and where you know where you're maybe potentially gaining too much body fat yeah Um, what i would say on that one is i could probably count on my hand the amount of competitors that are juniors and teams that have actually come in contest peeled yeah yeah yeah. so that that should just be like a, a general kind of overview that most don't give enough time yeah yeah that's it almost almost consider as a teen or a junior they you know potentially don't have the muscle to get into like contest contest shape they still could but they might sacrifice loads of tissue and or they're thinking oh i've got to be big like they think big rather than contest lean and they end up just being not in contest shape at all until they step on stage and realize it um okay so moving on in terms of so you've got them tracking and and everything so hopefully you've got them for a period of time before they decide to prep what would you do initially in terms of calorie setting so this is taking someone that's you know this track with you for a little bit and now wants to prep how drastic of a cut would you make and is it depending on the individual and you know how would you initially make that first calorie cut so obviously from that point you're probably going to want to probably spend like a week or two before the before the the start date at maintenance okay and that may sound a bit weird but i just think that you want to you don't want to get people going from a surplus straight into a cut because it i find it's difficult to really gauge where the their maintenance calories actually are so i'd like to get people for like a week or two just sitting at maintenance they're probably a little bit heavy anyway uh, just to find out what that maintenance calories is. And then from there, you're going to take like a 15 to 20% uh, reduction in calories from there, I would say. I mean, if you wanted to go super slow, you could do like 10%. But then I find there, you end up just maintaining on less calories. <laughs> mm, yeah, so yeah. you need to make it significant enough to actually almost initiate the fat loss process, but not so much that it's going to be like a massive grueling 
And obviously, you've got to consider that it depends on how much cardio you're going to start with as well. If you're going from naught and adding cardio, you can maybe take less calories away. Yeah. But that's always something that I would discuss with the client first as well. Like that's something that's definitely changed in in my practice over the last sort of year or two is that it's having that communication and saying rather than just saying right we're going to cut this many calories that's it it'll be like right what would you prefer more cardio more calories or and then like allowing that person to make the decision that they they almost feel that they own it so they're taking ownership of that decision sure so now, on that on that topic from an evidence based point of view um i know you read your research etc is there anything suggesting that from a physique um, performance or overall, um, you know, fat loss idea in terms of getting the best physique on stage as a bodybuilder, is there any benefit to keeping food higher and doing more cardio, or keep or reducing food and doing more cardio? Do you think, like either way round, do you think there's any benefit in terms of how the physique would look, or do you think, you know, have you experienced like because I think when I, you know, massively increased cardio, it had obviously a negative effect on training. Um, but the fact that I was able to keep food higher made me slightly more sane. Um, and, you know, do you think there's any sort of anecdotal things that you've experienced with keeping food or cardio higher in terms of which way you would go? Well, I find mostly in like female competitors, they tend to need to do a little bit more cardio because they need to keep food higher. Because obviously, if you go too low in food, that you run into the risk of becoming kind of micronutrient deficient. Okay. Obviously, yeah. if, if, you, if you're kind of like a smaller female and you've got to be in a deficit, you know, there's, there's every chance you are going to be on 12, 1300 calories. And it's, it becomes very difficult. And if you need to make further changes, then it's going to have to be cardio. But then you get into that the realm of too much cardio then overlaps into training mm. and you start to lose strength and muscle. So, again, it's, it's one of those things that you're going to have to have that communication with the person because it's going to be all individual. You, this, you might be able to say to someone, you know, we can do more low-intensity cardio. Just go out for a, like a two-hour walk every day. But, again, like do do – does this person have the time to do that? Would they prefer to do that or keep food high? I think at the end of the day, you're when you're in a in a deficit, you just need to. It's like I say to people, it's like you getting a poke in the eye or a punch in the face. Like they're both going to be yeah like uncomfortable. You just got to choose your poison. So it's more from like you'd say as a coach and as a competitor yourself, you'd say it's primarily preference-based as opposed to the evidence suggests that one is better than the other is that correct yeah because i think that if there is any evidence out there the the pool of uh subjects wouldn't be large enough to really give any concrete mm, yeah, yeah, sure. suggestions anyway um but yeah and again it's the same sort of thing where you, you could increase someone's cardio there's no reason why you can change it around as well if you increase someone's cardio and you notice that their training just goes through the floor then you've just got to say to that person, look, okay, well, let's take your cardio back. Let's, in, you know, drop calories down, see if that works. If mm -hmm. that then improves, then that's that's the route you go. But until you kind of try these things, you don't really know. Definitely. And from like a intensity 
perspective have you seen anything that would suggest hit or list is uh, better for in terms of a competition prep um, and is there any sort of specific things that for like a specific client you'd recommend hit or a specific client you'd recommend list um, and why would you do that so hit obviously in the name is high intensity and I've just found that when you're doing high intensity when you're very very lean it effectively turns into another session so it's almost like another resistance training session because you're causing so much damage but again it comes down to personal preference whether you are able to recover from the hit that would be the main thing like if you're able to recover from hit and and people think I'm nuts when I say it but when if I ever prescribe someone hit it's usually because their low intensity is so low intensity that they're just being lazy shit yeah so I would actually give them high intensity interval training to actually get them to burn some calories doing cardio. So, yeah, but again, it comes down to that overlap. Like sometimes that, that will cause people a lot of problems. And I was going to say, people think I'm mad because I tell them to do hit after legs. Mm. And they're like, why would you make me do that? And it's like, because I want all of your hard work out of the way so that you have the time to recover. Because mm. if you do legs and then hit the next day, then legs the day after that, then hit the day, like you're never going to be able to recover. So just by kind of grouping all the really tough, like lower body stuff or, or hit stuff, then yeah. Yeah, I, think, I totally agree with that from an anecdotal perspective. I think I just cannot do hit when I'm, when I reach a certain like uh, point in a competition prep when I'm such and such lean i can't i just cannot recover from hit um i not from like so much a muscle perspective i seem like seem to always recover really well from the weights room and from cardio in terms of soreness but in terms of um i guess cns fatigue and like my immune system i just feel like my immune system has been magically suppressed by hit like i remember doing it once or even twice and after both sessions I just felt like I'd got flu or cold it just felt like it absolutely wiped me out regardless of where I put it regardless of when I did it it just felt horrible but I could do lists for days like I could do a list session in the morning I could do a walk in the like a long power walk in the evening and I did that on a frequent basis with no issues at all and it didn't really affect training so I think like you know it's it's maybe not people need to take into perspective like when they shoot cardio really high like maybe a female then they need to really find the one that really suits them the best that they can recover from so if like me you can do tons of lists and get away with it then that's going to be better than trying to fire in like two extra hit sessions you could just bump up your list even more and get away with it um so i think again like it's definitely going to come down to preference and giving it a try rather than thinking um, oh, this guy, like, I know Brian Whitaker does, like, tons of hit, and Brian Whitaker gets into great shape, so you think, I've got to do hit as well, at least that's what I thought, I was like, oh, well, I've got to do hit as well, um, and then if you can't recover from it, then you're going to affect your sessions and, you know, damage your chances of muscle retention, which we know is massively important. Yeah. Um, so, going on to that, in terms of training, Harry, like, is there anything that you would specifically change i know that your training changed slightly as you had more of a powerlifting focus and going into a bodybuilding focus um but for an individual that just came to you 
um, who maybe was training, let's say they were an intermediate lifter training fairly well, which is going to be the majority of the people listening to the podcast. Is there anything that you'd specifically do um, in terms of overall training? Um, so potentially talk about volume or exercise selection um, in terms of setting up a contest prep training program. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I would actually, I would start off the prep trying to just maintain as much volume as possible. I think a lot of people would be quick to just drop volume straight away, like, oh, you're going to lose muscle. It's like, maybe not, don't look at increasing volume, like at the start of all, but at least just try and maintain what you did as much as you can, and then only drop it off as and when needed. It's the same as calories, like a calorie deficit. Like, you don't get brownie points for losing on less calories than you need to. It's the same with volume. Like, just keep volume as, you know, keep it at maintenance as what you were doing before, and then drop it off from there. And you could potentially look at uh, an RPE-based system. I've never really been a fan of it just because I find that I'm not very good at it. Okay. Um, but one thing interesting that like you said about exercise selection, I found that towards the end of my prep, and this is probably something that I would introduce actually into clients as well, is more like seated exercises. <laughs> it sounds really, really random, but yeah. things like, like if you're if you're trying to really if you're doing squats and deadlifts and stuff and you are trying to keep the weight on the bar as much as possible, programming things like pendlay rows and bent over rows again it's going to carry over to that deadlift and potentially yeah. affect that. So I would much rather someone do a seated row or a chest supported row or something like that. So it's still going to target the the upper back, yep. which is muscle you're probably going to be targeting anyway. Okay. Or the lats and things like that, but you're you're just taking that pressure off those other muscles. And I mean, I'm talking like towards the end of a contest prep here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's something I would do. And then something that I did for a little bit right towards the end was some occlusion training. But I'm not really sure if that made much of a difference, if anything, to be honest. So in terms of, I'd agree with all of that. I think the seated thing is something really interesting and potentially that something I might look into as well. Um, in terms of how you yourself or you know potentially with clients i know that you had a really successful fat loss client actually gained a lot of strength during a dieting phase so that example obviously provides you know me with a lot of confidence to ask the question but how would you go about programming for you know gaining or maintaining strength in a dieting phase um you know you mentioned rpe would you you know, is there any anything specific that you'd recommend someone do in terms of holding on to every bit of strength that they can? I think it's it's definitely a mindset thing. I think it's we almost know too much based on what our kind of our job roles are, and it's like you should lose strength during a cut and you should lose muscle during a cut and all this stuff. Whereas actually. Uh, the client that you spoke about, Marcus, like I didn't really change his program to anything different. Like I said, I wanted to keep his volume exactly the same and and see if we can increase strength at the start of a cut, which I think a lot of people can still do. Yeah, he just kept going, and I would definitely say he was an outlier. But okay. he even I even spoke to him the other day uh, on Skype, and he was just saying it just the weight training sessions actually took his mind away from the diet. Wow. So he just used that as his mindset and he was just like, I just kept it like that was my release from the diet. Um, So that's why I would say to people, don't be so quick, especially at the start, to start dropping volume and dropping intensity and things like that. Because you probably, especially for the first few weeks, increase your strength. I know I did for the summer 
and it did drop off eventually. But for the first few weeks, like you're you're still fine, you're still okay, you can still increase strength. So I wouldn't necessarily change anything until you feel that you actually need to. Yeah, definitely agreed with that. I think mindset is massively overlooked. My one of my comparable clients at the start of the year is like a week into a deficit. He was like, I can feel. He messaged me saying, I can feel the strength going away already. And I was like, and I literally, I had to call him and I just said, right, you know, you need to change your mindset. You need to think, what can I do to even potentially increase strength or maintain it? Because he hadn't even followed like a anything structured in his past previous training experience, um, and the fact that he was now following something structured with you know a bit of daily undulating periodization which not not that it's magic but he was following some of that and eventually you know like up to about three weeks out from his show he was just gaining strength consistently and that's because he just had a changed mindset structured training um and went into it thinking that no i'm not going to lose strength i'm going to try everything that i can to sort of maintain it um i think that it does have some obviously majority of of maintaining or chasing strength that has pros but i think there are some cons that people can chase it too much and therefore either risk you know injury or getting themselves on the sidelines for a little bit um and focus take the focus away from form and then put it into trying to maintain um and people obviously forget that leverages change massively when you do lose body fat and that your relative strength comparative to the your new body weight is also something that's worth taking into consideration um something that i never did either i was consistently trying to maintain Um, i think it's worth always reminding the the client or the the person prepping of that as well that actually even if you just maintain your strength if you are a stone lighter you are stronger so much stronger yeah Definitely. So, like, you need to consider that as well. Like, and and especially like small drops off of the bar. Like, sometimes you might drop half a stone to a stone, and then but their bench press will drop off by two and a half kilos, and they'll feel gutted about that. But then it's like, well, actually, that's still really good, even though you've dropped weight on the bar. Look at your strength to weight ratio. Yeah. As opposed to just the absolute weight, because anyone could just kind of get fat and lift big weights. I mean, exactly. Yeah. It's definitely possible. Um, okay, so in terms of my final question on training, I'd like to ask how you've briefly covered it. Actually, no, you haven't. Not really. Um, in terms of how you'd manage fatigue throughout a deficit in terms of training, um, talk about how you'd structure maybe deloads or say in the in the in the situation where you'd had a client and they were maybe message you saying i just can't do this session um is there any sort of like things you would do in terms of yeah okay a week off like a deload or week lighter weights deload or any specific one day changes that you'd make uh especially when dieting i probably wouldn't make like necessary one day changes only okay. because that's almost like if someone has a spike in weight in the scales you're not going to drop calories it's the same sort of thing it's like it's yeah. one day out of like a bigger picture kind of thing so it's something to consider there um but always i always program in deloads like regular deloads so whether that be kind of three on one off four on one off five on one off or whatever sure. and they tend to probably be a little bit more frequent during uh contest prep okay 
some for some people I've reduced their kind of frequency of training so I've dropped it from five down to four and again that does bring down volume slightly do you um, equate that over the three sessions that have become like the yeah the five that have become four yeah. no so that, that is that it would be like a slight drop in volume okay it just allows them a little bit more recovery but I would also educate that client on rest times as well I would just say you know actually within the session take a like take the piss you know get your sleeping bag out between between sets if it means keeping <laughs> weight on the bar then sometimes you just got to do what you got to do but just appreciate that your the fatigue is going to build up a lot quicker 100% um, so yeah that, that's kind of so the changes that I would make is that I I would give I would, I would try and give ranges as much as I can even even in loads things like loads as well just say look I want you to do five sets of four at anything between this load or something like that or it would be this load for four to six reps got it so if that person's feeling good they're going to do six if they're not feeling great they're going to do four so by allowing that degree of flexibility in their training as well it means that they're not going to get disheartened like i found that one of the downfalls of my programming uh, even more recently is that i've i've had a very specific set pattern for right you're going to do five sets of four at 90 kilos right then the person won't get 90 kilos and then they'll be like distraught whereas if i said right do four sets of three to five the average is still four but they could go they could swing either way depending on how they're feeling and you you almost need to do more of that during a contest prep because you are going to have great days and you're going to have really low days like the pendulum swings a lot further on a contest prep yeah i'm yeah i'm really really in agreement with that and i think that you need to consider the individual potentially when doing rep range work because whilst some people will really benefit like i think 80 percent of people will benefit from that for sure but i think there's 20 percent that would be the people that would always come on the low end and just do the bare minimal work but if given a weight they'd go in and smash it like if they were told directly what to do they'd go in and kill it um, so I think considering the individual and maybe just trying it out for a week. So if you see as soon as you give someone three to five, they're hitting three every single session, then you know that potentially maybe, you know, they're not giving it their all. Likewise, you could, you know, say do three to five and then tell me the reps in reserve on the last one. And yeah. if it's like, you know, potentially they could lie, but they could say like, oh, I had two reps in reserve. And like, well, why are you, leave- why are you leaving so many there when, mm. you know, you could potentially be having them, especially if you're on a good day. Um, so I think, yeah, from my my perspective on that, that one, I think that's something that a downfall that I, you know, could have corrected last year is that I still did do a lot of um, stuff that was just with like three sets of nine, that's it, no rep range, you know, five sets of four that's it no rep range and i'd be really i'd be noticing the strength loss more because um i just i just see it falling off you know and when it was like um you know five sets of four i had to change it around um so yeah i think that's definitely a big thing to notice it's, it's something that i think everyone's trying to work out a system for and no one's quite got it yet yeah, like the, like the RPE system, I think it, it works well in principle, and it does work well for a lot of people. Obviously, like Mike Tushera, who kind of came up with it, extremely strong. 
but you need to be very very honest with yourself like that it's easy like if you again if you gave that to someone who just wants to do the bare minimum their yeah. rps or reps in reserve are going to be like ridiculous and they're not really going to be training that hard so yeah definitely it's one of those things it is difficult training is very very difficult during a contest prep it's going to get harder and it's just trying to see trying to find a method for that individual that's going to allow them to just keep training hard in the gym Mm, 100% agreed so my final question would be in terms of like alterations to the diet itself what would your main tips be for an individual that's you know maybe they hit a stall how would they go about correcting that um and you know when would you make a bigger or more aggressive cut as opposed to a smaller one okay so the I'll start off with that last one. The bigger or more aggressive cut compared to the small one is going to depend on how much time they have. How much time they have, how much more they have to lose, and if they have like a time-based goal. So if they have like a photo shoot or a contest or whatever, and they still have, you can tell they've still got seven, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pounds to lose, but then they only have six weeks, you're probably going to have to make a more aggressive cut. Yeah. Uh, in terms of alteration, again, it, it's it does come down to the individual but to give you more kind of practical advice you've just got to weigh up you know are you going to be able to tolerate less food or would you like to do more cardio like you need to try and tip the balance somewhere and and something that i've also added in recently to my practice as well for people that fat loss is you know daily energy expenditure so what their their daily step count is and it's become very popular recently but that's a big thing as well so even there's three options you can reduce calorie intake you can increase energy expenditure through active cardio, so actually doing more cardio. Sure. Or you can increase uh, daily energy expenditure by just doing more steps. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's a way of doing it, or a combination of all three. Um, but then in terms of like the actual, the changes, again, like calories, you're probably gonna wanna drop out, you know, anywhere from 100 to 150 calories. You can do it based on a percentage as well, because obviously like a smaller, female is going to need you know 150 calorie drops and a lot mm. compared to a bigger male so again it's it's all kind of dependent like it, it's very difficult without the context yeah that that's yeah that's what i would say but yeah and again when it comes to the nutritional i, I will ask that again as well i'll say look we're gonna have to cut out some fat and carbs fat or carbs what do you prefer what's gonna fill you up what makes you feel better like we can do one or the other or a little bit of both yeah definitely preference wise is is a good way to go in terms of like so say a calorie adjustment didn't work how long would you how long would you give it say you made like a good drop in terms of calories how long would you give that change to have an effect again comes down to how long that person has uh i'd like to see like two weeks i don't like to very rarely do i like to make any calorie adjustments like every week okay i think it's pointless and i think the people that do that are just like I don't know, they're, they're just, they almost want to seem like they're just doing something to, to justify their service. Like people doing like drops of like five grams of carbs, it's like it's not going to do anything. Like they just yeah. want to do like five gram drop every single week to seem like they're doing something. Whereas I would rather make a more substantial cut, see the effect off of that. But I like to give it at least two weeks. Definitely. Uh, but again, you know, depending on people's kind of life situations, they may be going through a very stressful situation in life mm. at that time. Yeah. And you won't see any weight loss. And again, uh, from a female perspective, depending on their, their menstrual cycle and things like that, they, you know, you could make a calorie drop and they'll be losing fat, but because of the state they are in their cycle, their weight will go up. 
So again, you've got to look at, you really have to look at the bigger picture. And also, if you're just looking at weight, that's that's one thing, but you also mm-hmm. need to be asking that person, saying like, are you feeling leaner? What do your pictures look like? You know, what, yeah. how, how do you feel? That's like, that's a big thing as well. I think a lot of people just look at weight and, you know, that's obviously something you expect to come down over time. But in the short term, especially like within, you know, days and weeks and stuff, if someone says to me, I'm feeling a lot more vascular. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're going to be losing fat. So. Head in the right direction. Yeah. Do you think that how, how frequently on that topic, how frequently would you get like a client to or a potential client to take progress pictures in a fat loss phase? Would it be every week or every couple of weeks? Yeah, so the the way well the way I do it, obviously it's all dependent on what that the coach wants to do. I get pictures weekly, measurements weekly and but weigh-ins will be daily and yeah. obviously macros log daily as well. So we can kind of get that average but you know, measurements aren't going to change that often. Your photos, even from a week-to-week basis, aren't going to change that often. But it's just nice to be able to see the whole journey. I think more for the client than anything to be able to see how how it's kind of uh, changed over time, and you mm. can compare week two to week three. But obviously, like when you're contest prep or getting contest lead, you can start to see changes from week to week. Hundred percent, definitely. Yeah. I think that is the end to my questions, Harry. I think there's definitely a lot of content um, that can do a lot of favours for anyone that is looking to prepare for a show next year or just get lean, like we said. Um, so if there's any, unless there's anything you'd like to add, um, just give the listener basically a roundup as to where they can find you, maybe where you're most active on social media. Um, and then if anyone's not already following, then they then they can follow you now. Oh, yeah, so I, I guess to summarize and round up the whole podcast, I would definitely say like the biggest thing is to ask yourself whether you are in the right position to contest prep and, you know, making sure that you're, especially for, for your listeners, like don't allow a contest prep to affect like your education and things like that. Like mm. it's such a, uh, you know, an important part of, of your life and things like that. So just make sure you're in a position to and you, you're doing it for the right reasons. So. That being a thing, but other than that, yeah, you can find me on. I'm most active, I'd say, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Okay. I did try Snapchat for a bit, got bored of it. <laughs> Especially now, Instagram as Instagram stories, that'll do me. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm on there like Harry Ranson, and I, I put in, I'm putting out content daily, um, and yeah, just doing vlogs and daily information on all things bodybuilding and fitness and nutrition and stuff like that. So that's where you can find me. Just I think it's just like slash Harry Ranson on basically everything. So. Okay, cool. Wicked. I'll link like your YouTube and any other bits and bobs below. Um, but yeah, thanks very much for sort of coming on the podcast, giving up your time, Harry. I know you're a busy man. Um, but yeah, that is it. If you are listening on iTunes, then please, if you can, give us a review. That would be great. And on YouTube, if you could like the video, that would be perfect. And if you haven't already, then give the uh, podcast a love if you're listening on SoundCloud. Um, Pretty much that's everything covered. And uh, yeah, I will see you back for episode 17. Um, But yeah, thanks again, Harry, and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you for having me. Cool.